Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We're your host. I'm Ryan Whalen, along with my very funny guest. Whoa, 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 uh, co-host. whoa, whoa, whoa. Funny how? Like, whoa, what? No, no, hang on. What do you mean by funny? I mean, you know, you, you know, like the way you tell stories, no, no, you know? No, like, like funny how? Like I'm a clown? Like I amuse you? No. Like, you know, like just, just how you tell the stories, you know? Let me get this straight. You say, all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was the most high-pitched laugh I've ever that done. That was, uh, oh, and scene. Uh, that was, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's something my dad and I uh, do all the time. Anytime that we were like, that was really funny. And then either one of us will go, funny how? Like, how am I, how the fuck am I funny? Yeah. Um, it's it's a good bonding experience for us to just yell and scream and swear at each other all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say, but um, if you listened to Raging Bull last week, um, you'll know this week we're talking about Goodfellas, which we just did a scene from. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, sorry. Um, Goodfellas. I, this is said to be the greatest mob film of all time. Um, I would agree with that, especially okay. considering I finished it 30 minutes ago. Wow. Um, well, that's how I wanted to open the show. I wanted to open it with, because I have seen this movie, I don't know, 15, 20 times. Um, you've only seen it the one time today. Yeah. What did you think? Oh, I loved it. It was, it was, you know, I was really engaged because, you know, I haven't seen a lot of mob movies in my life. You know, I've seen Godfather. Uh, I started Black Mass. I never got to finish it. What I did see of it, I really enjoyed. Um, but this was just on a whole other level of, of mob movie, you know? Um, and, uh, dude, it, since you were actually here from the last 30 minutes that I saw, uh, I, I especially loved the direct-to-camera yeah, we'll narration. Get, yeah, we'll get to that because that's a, from that's a big Liotta. deal, the, the break of the... Of the narration, because mm-hmm. we're, you know, he's no longer narrating, he's talking directly to camera. And, yeah. Uh, this surreal four wall, fourth wall break, because he'll get up and he's talking, but everyone else... Is is still... Is still as if the courtroom is still... Right, yeah. Going, like, the, the trial is still going on. Yeah, man. Like... <sighs> yeah, that was, that was really rad. And there's another thing at the very, very end that is very Scorsese, uh, because it's an homage to the birth of cinema. Uh-huh. Uh, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So, all in all, I loved it. Um, cool. You know, like I mentioned last week, I love Ray Liotta. I think he is such a very versatile actor, even when it's movies that maybe he shouldn't have agreed to do. Uh, Wild Hogs, for one. Um, when he plays a, a leader of a biker gang, I just I couldn't buy it with his Bronx accent. Which, I mean, not to say that there's not biker gangs in, like, no, the No, that's Bronx. what you were saying. And it's on record, so... <laughs> I mean, pff, probably get another angry comment. Mm. Um, but point being is that Ray is fantastic, especially in this one. Um, and it's all Ray, which I loved. You know, I, I think... I think Hollywood really knows how to use Ray Liotta. Either you use a little bit of him, like Field of Dreams, and he, you know, he killed it as Shootless Joe Jackson, or you, you use all of him. There's no in between. You either use, you gotta use a little bit, or you use all of him. And this one especially, you use 
Martin used Ray throughout the entire movie, and I loved it. Yeah, you know, this uh, this four-episode series that we're doing, uh, this is the only time that Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci aren't the main characters. Yeah, right? they're not center stage. No, but that works in their favor in this one. I And especially with Joe Pesci... Um, as I said last week, you're going to be more terrified of him this oh, time. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Uh, because he is so unpredictable and flies off the handle and, you know, and deadly. I mean, this guy is... Yeah, I mean, you know, within the first... After the uh, the opening credits, you know. Yeah, which we, is a good way to start. So we don't start this movie chronologically, right? Mm-hmm. We, we start not necessarily in the middle... Uh, it's pretty it, we catch up quickly right yeah um, but you know it's a great way to open this film of this guy's life right I mean this guy Henry Hill mm-hmm. um, who if anyone didn't know is a real man yes I did not know this uh, yeah uh, Henry Hill um, who was um who was I, I mean I, I wouldn't say a consultant on the movie because not like um, not like uh, last week yeah but I know but I did read some stuff that he he, he lent some yeah and I mean of course with the book Wise Guys um, where the the author you know spent so much time with him mm-hmm. and um, you know this was a, a very interesting uh, situation where Henry Hill. Uh, was told that if he ever lied to the FBI about the story, about his story, uh-huh. um, or about the the situations in which he was giving information, mm-hmm. if he lied, he's out of the witness protection program. Really? And so uh, the author was saying in one of the interviews I was watching that it's one of the only s- situations where the person's life is at stake mm-hmm. and on the line to tell the truth, right? Yeah. And so this is all true, right? All the stuff that he was talking about, a lot of the narration was taken directly from quotes from Henry Hill himself. Really? Um, there's a couple of things, obviously, that they had to skip over and, the, you know... Or change. No, I wouldn't say necessarily change. It's more of just omitting mm. certain things, right? Like, yeah, because, you know, for a film, you want your character to be likable, I'm sure if they included every single thing that Henry said, we probably... I'm glad you brought that up because the what Scorsese does that's so wonderful is he wants you to like these guys, mm-hmm. right? Um, until a certain point. And that point where we switch is when Tommy kills Spider. All right. Uh, uh-huh. When Tommy right. kills Spider, we are no longer like on board with these guys because yeah. I mean that was completely unnecessary, right? Mm-hmm. And these guys are ruthless, and these guys are not good people, and especially Tommy, right? Uh, Tommy is. This is not a good fellow. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry. Uh, so that's where the switch really takes place, right. and it was on purpose. Um, apparently, the the studio was like, "Take it out. It's too gratuitous, and it's mm. too horrible." Right? This guy getting killed over nothing. Yeah, and they're I, like, "Have to." 
Yeah, I did read that <clears throat> Martin had a lot of pushback from the studio that it was too violent. It was there's too much language and right. Well, especially the spider killing was yeah. the was the main thing that they were like, you have to take that out. And he goes, well, if I don't take it out, we're never going to hate these guys, <laughs> you know, or yeah. we're never going to see truly how their their violent nature. We'll never really get to see that, you know, mm-hmm. and we need it. We need it to go. Oh, that's right. They're, they're gangsters. They're criminals. Yeah, I remember. Right. Yeah, because everything leading up to that, you're like, oh, man, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and it's exactly their mentality, which is why this is such a great gangster film and so true to this lifestyle. Not only do we have someone who is sacrificing his his right not to be called a snitch or a rat because, like it or not, Henry Hill is a rat – Oh, and I did reading. I did some reading. Uh, he, did, he actually died in 2012. Okay. So, not that long. No. Um, uh, Karen is still alive, though. Um, that had nothing to do with him being a rat, but I appreciate your input. Um, <laughs> he, uh, Which is a... You know, I'm glad you brought that up, because it's a, a, a lesson that he learns very early in the movie. Is you don't rat on your friends. Uh, you don't rat on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. Those are the exact words uh, that Jimmy tells him, mm-hmm. and um, and for a while he sticks with that, yeah. right? But you know, and we'll get to the deterioration of everyone's relationship, right? Because it all seems to fall apart, right? This will become a theme, by the way, uh, in this series. Is what the you mean the last two movies? Yeah, well, I mean, even in Raging Bull, you know, we got that. And so uh, in all of these, we get, you know, a rise and a fall, right, Uh Um, of a a sort of empire, right? Right. In this case, it's low-level guys that find some success Mm -hmm. and then ruin it, right, Uh, by their decisions. Um, Some more than others, but, you know. No. Uh, I, I think that if anything, Jimmy, I think Jimmy might be the the best of them, if I'm being honest. Uh, he doesn't seem to, I mean, yes, obviously he's very scary. He's very violent. He's deadly as well, right? Uh-huh. Uh, he has no problem killing anybody or roughing anybody up for some money. No. But he does have... You know, this, this code that he lives by, he does... The people that he's close to, he's going to take care of. Right. Right. Um, whereas Tommy... I like how Polly <clears throat> describes Tommy. He's a, he's a cowboy. He's a cowboy. Yeah. It's the Wild West. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a gunslinger, uh, but he is an erratic, unpredictable gunslinger, which is dangerous. Right. Yeah. Um, not something you want to be around all the time. And we get to see that with not only Billy Bats, but with Spider and with a few others that Mm -hmm. it's, you know, whoa, right? And just his anecdotes, right? His stories that he tells are of a hair trigger temper nature, right? Um, That are very funny, very amusing for his other wise guy friends. 
but nevertheless, it is very, you know, yeah. uh, erratic behavior. Yeah, if you yeah, if you really sit and just listen to the story, you're like, oh, oof. Like, oh my God. You know, he's... A monster. He's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so let's... Oh, we'll get to Henry, because Henry obviously is the focal point of yes. the film, and he is the reason why we have all this authenticity and we why we have such an accurate depiction of what it's like to be a, quote, wise guy, especially yeah. during this During time. the 40s all the way up to the 80s. So we get this, you know, wonderful uh, depiction of what it's like, and it's all him, right? Mm-hmm. It's all because he was willing to rat out all of this yeah. and tell a few secrets right yeah um, but he was even saying that the movie is about 99% accurate yeah um, yeah uh, I read that he said that about Tommy yeah Joe Pesci the only difference is the real Tommy, Tommy was, was gigantic yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, but, like, built, like, ripped. Yeah, but he said that, uh, that Joe Pesci played him 90% accurate because... Which, I mean, could you imagine? <laughs> like, it's a real person, you know? Yeah. Uh, it almost seems like a like an over-the-top cartoon character, but to know that there was someone actually like that is pretty scary. Yeah. Um, but I, I let's um, let's focus on Robert and Joe for now because I... I it's the reason I wanted to do this. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, this, this series is these these guys. Um, De Niro, despite what some people may think of him, is wonderful. Um, yes. I am a big fan of his, obviously. Uh, as as am I. talked um, about last week. Um, he, this is how his acting is superior to most. Yeah. Especially... And we're going to talk about... The ketchup bottle. Yeah, uh, especially the the ten year jump from our episode one of the series Raging Bull to this. It's you know his acting has no bounds. You know. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of what he had done in between that time. Um, obviously, once upon a time in America, he had done with mm-hmm. Joe Pesci. So I mean, there there's more. It's just not with Martin Scorsese, right? right Which right. is the whole reason we're doing. Um, but anyway, so he would – the actors didn't have contact with Henry Hill, mm. um, especially Ray Liotta. He was like, absolutely not. Really? Uh, Scorsese's like, don't. Because I don't want Henry – To influence right, how I, you're playing him. Right. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Right, right. Because especially this was the first time he had ever worked with Ray Liotta. He doesn't, he doesn't want him to be influenced by – a third party. Right, right. He wants oh, to... I, play him the way you think he should be played. Yeah, you know, I mean, he listened to the tapes of the interviews and stuff like that. Okay. Speaking of, he was eating chips the whole time. And so he would answer a question and he'd be chomping on chips. So let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, I mean, obviously that's a big part of his character. of uh, Just, you know, this sort of who gives a shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm going to do it how I want to do it. Which, Which is, is yeah right yeah. Um, but De Niro <laughs> no one saw it was just signaled to each other. we were De, on the same wavelength De Niro um, got in touch with the author mm-hmm. of the book who was very involved in this film because he helped write the screenplay right and next week's episode and next week's episode as well um, and uh, he was like listen can you ask Henry how Jimmy would hold a cigarette 
Or how would... Well, I say... I say they didn't have access to Henry, but uh, De Niro would call him sometimes. Really? Uh, call Henry, yeah. Uh, five or six times a day. Uh, just to ask questions like that. Like... Um, how would he hold a cigarette? How would he tie his tie? How would he, you know, hold himself um, like when if he's wearing a suit? How would he stand? Right. Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Stuff Henry would remember. But one of the main things, and it's something that I've always thought about since the first time I saw this movie, is the way he pours ketchup, which is rolling it in between his palms, in between his hands. Oh, see. I back and forth. Wasn't it, paying attention to um, how he does that. Well, here's the deal. That's how Jimmy used to do it. Um, really? He said that Jimmy loved putting ketchup on anything. And, and and so De Niro didn't want to be like hitting the back of it or something if that wasn't accurate. He wants to be as authentic as possible. Well, and see, I thought you were going to mention about the money, which oh, I read today. Oh, the real today. money that they used? Is that, you know... We were going to get to that. Yeah. I have it written down. Okay. Okay. Well, then we'll get there. That they used real money. And so... Um, and so it went as far as he's rolling the ketchup bottle in between his hands, which does work, by the way, which does get the ketchup out of the bottle. Um, Too bad no restaurants still have just glass bottles of ketchup anymore. So you could try it because yeah. it's... I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to go buy a glass bottle of ketchup because they still sell those. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just interesting because it's... In that whole scene with um, when they're at Tommy's mom's house... Scorsese's mom, by the way. See, I was like, she looks a lot like Scorsese. Yeah, that's Scorsese's mom. Well, so since she is the Scorsese, Scorsese, goddamn, I can't talk tonight. Um, and so, okay, well, let's talk about the real money. So that was one of De Niro's things also, was he doesn't like the way fake money feels. Mm-hmm. He wants it to feel real, right? And so <laughs> they gave him real money. Yeah, wasn't it like and one of all the, of the money was real? Wasn't it like one of the producers? Yeah, money? it was like five grand. Yeah, five grand. <laughs> and before anyone left the scene, they had to get the money back and they had to count it. Yeah, to make sure it was five grand. Yeah, all the five grand was there because uh, he was like putting twenties and hundreds in people's pockets. And uh-huh. There are close-ups of this cash, right? Yeah. And I've, I've, it doesn't ever take me out of anything, but it's noticeable. Right, because the president's photograph or uh, portraits are always off. Oh, right, yeah. if you look at you know movie money, uh, if there's like a close up or anything, it something's off. Right, but in this one, yeah, because you know they can't make it exactly like it because exactly, that would be because that would be counterfeit money. Counterfeit money, yeah. Um, but they always choose like the biggest thing about it, the portrait, to be different. Right, mm-hmm. um, and so that always drives me crazy. But um, wasn't there a movie? Where I want to say I read, I think it was Martin Scorsese that the money had his portrait on it. I feel like I read that. Well, it wouldn't be in this one because they use real money, but uh, I I think it might have been Raging Bull. Then I felt like I was reading something and the money had Martin's face on it. That's interesting. That didn't seem like a Martin thing to do because he's all about authenticity. And maybe I'm misremembering. Um, maybe because we've been talking about Martin Scorsese. Well, because here's the here's how. So De Niro's not the only one who really focuses on authenticity. Mm-hmm. It's Scorsese. Well, yeah. So what he would do is every day he would tie Ray Liotta's tie mm-hmm. because it has to be a certain way, right? His his mom would iron. Uh, the collars because these uh, 
the the shirts that these gangsters would wear would be these collars that would almost cover the, the knot. Tie. Yeah. Yeah. And they it has to be a certain way, right? And so he would see an actor, it wouldn't look quite right. He would go, go fix it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I read that today, too, that Ray said that Martin would every tie day. his tie. Every day. Because it has to be right. Um, even, I mean, even when he was directing the kid, they were. Uh, I got to see some behind-the-scenes footage today. And he's directing the, the kid who plays Tiny Henry. Um, and he goes, all right, he's not quite a gangster yet. Can we shine his shoes? And you got a pinky ring? Get him a pinky ring. And, like, to the very last detail, uh-huh. he has to look a certain way. We can't get by with that's close enough. Right? Yeah. And so if his shoes weren't as shiny as they should be, he, he would be like, we have to get it perfect. I'm assuming you're referring to the scene when he comes when home. When he gets the, the suit. suit. He's like, how do I look, Ma? You look like a gangster, right? That's the, yeah. And so and Scorsese's there, and he is shorter, I think, than the kid is. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Tiny guy. And um, he's just, you know, like, those shoes need to be shinier. He needs a ring. Uh, let me fix your tie. You know. Uh, um, because his memory works, and this is going to be a theme for the rest of his life is he fixates on pieces of music that he remembers mm-hmm. growing up or a certain um, a certain clothing that uh-huh. he fixated on as a kid, something he remembers from his youth and holds it in his brain forever. So what you're saying is where me and you have what others would consider useless information on film... Martin's like that with kind of he music just, and he uses fashion. his own experiences, his memory of a certain time and place mm-hmm. that he can bring this this detail to his films mm-hmm. by using uh, his memory and by using the things he has stored in his brain. Right. And has been there for 40, 50 years and goes, oh, I remember this song playing. It would work perfect. It would be perfect here. And they would do that while working on the script uh, with the – and I'm, I need to pull it up, the guy's name, because that's going to drive me crazy. The uh, Oh, I – dude, I, I, I saw it. I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. That's okay. Um, um, well, you know, and while you look that up, you know, speaking of music – you know, as we discovered, trying to find intro and outro music for this episode was hard because there were so many good options, you know, like Donovan, uh, who, as we kind of talked about off mic, you know, I love Donovan. I think he is a very underrated musician. You know, then we've got Cream. We've got more Eric Clapton, um, Tony Bennett, so many good options. And, you know... I haven't seen a lot of Martin Scorsese, and now I, I regret that deeply. <laughs> um, more than likely, when this episode is over, I'm probably going to fill my Amazon wish list with more of his movies because mm-hmm. I've already got The Irishman on my wish list. Good for uh, for the Criterion. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Um, but you know, like you know, got to do Shutter Island. I got to get Taxi Driver. Um, I don't want to keep. I don't want to fill the rest of this episode with me 
talking about all the other movies I want to see of his, but <laughs> point being, Martin not only has the eye of a filmmaker, but he has the ear of a musician. Yeah. Because, especially when I know we're going to talk about the scene of a piece of music that I really mm-hmm. love. Yeah. Uh, it, it just worked. Yeah, he would. Uh, so uh, we can talk about that scene actually right now because that's a, that's a good uh, segue because uh, it's Nicholas uh, Pileggi. Sure. Sure. Let's, let's just say it. Yeah. So um, he was, they were writing the scene where they had just pulled off that heist, right? The big one. Oh, the big one towards the end. The big heist. Mm-hmm. And Maury's busting his balls. Um, I'm going to be honest, though. I I was actually kind of happy that, uh, that Maury got whacked. Yeah, so Maury... Maury's the fucking Maury, worst. Oh, uh, for Maury's wigs. Um, <laughs> they don't fall off in the water. God. Bullshit. Two different shots. That was a great commercial. Uh, Scorsese must have done that one. Uh, <laughs> must have shot that himself because it was so good. Um... So Maury is busting Jimmy's balls about the money, right? Yeah. Where's my money? Where's my money? Yeah, I set this up. Where's my 50 G's? He is noticing that people are buying flashy things when they shouldn't be, mm-hmm. right? Which and, I really want to talk about when we get more later in the episode. And, and people keep asking him for their cut, right? When it's, you know, he immediately regrets being number one in charge of this. And number two, people not listening to him. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's a scene and there's a shot where they slow it down. They increase the frame rate. He looks at Maury. He looks at Tommy. And we get it. We get that he has made the decision to let some people go. Yeah. Right. From and, life. And uh, when they were writing it, uh, uh, Nicholas is writing all of this down. And... Um, <laughs> Scorsese goes, oh, in the corner, write cream. And uh, he goes, what? He goes, what? In the corner, write cream. Okay? Just so I can remember. And he goes, oh, okay. And because already he knows exactly what song he wants to put in there. And it's Sunshine of Your Love. And he knows exactly the part of the song. He knows exactly Mm -hmm. uh, how to time it with... um, with De Niro's gazes from Maury to Tommy, you know, to neutral, right? Mm-hmm. Those three points are timed to the beats of Sunshine of Your Love. Well, and it's that, and it's that, man, I love that song so much. And it's that opening of Eric's just badassery on the guitar, just do, 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 do. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, like, I, it hadn't even clicked with me yet that Jimmy has made the conscious decision to decision to start without any dialogue. Yeah, and uh, which is first up genius, right? Oh, absolutely. But also a very smart play to play with the frame rate. Mm-hmm. So we, as the audience, know something's about to happen, and it's important. It's important that we need to focus on his face, mm-hmm. right? And uh, this is not the only time he does this with music. Uh, he does it throughout the entire thing. And uh, with uh, with Nicholas Pischetti, um, <laughs> not his name, uh, he, uh, he would often, as they were writing, he was the, he was the typist, as, as Scorsese would talk, right? I can just, I can kind of imagine seeing that, like, like, Nicholas is behind, like, on a typewriter, and Scorsese's pacing next to him, like, yeah, add in this. Yeah, right. yeah. And he's just, oh, like... in the corner, write 
right? Layla in the corner. And he's like, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, just just so I don't forget. Yeah. Uh, because he's already got the music in his head because he can see it, right? He can yeah. see it. He can hear it. He feels it, right? Um, and which is the kind of dedication that you need for a movie like this. And not only does the director have this desire to make it perfect and to want to live this world instead of just set it up, right? Right. De Niro's that way, Pesci's that way, and Leota's that way. All of them were were not acting, they were behaving, mm-hmm. right? Um, a lot of the scenes were improvised during rehearsal, and then they would bring it in, lock it in for the actual shoot, and add it to the the quote script uh, whenever they could so so we talked about Robert um, I want to talk about Joe of course because like I mentioned last week uh, Raging Bull really showed me that Joe Pesci can act mm-hmm. um, and that's even more of, uh, apparent in this one um, and sidebar I noticed something about Joe and I was gonna I meant to bring it up last week Um because I thought that he was wearing false teeth in Raging Bull. Because his mm. his top teeth are perfectly straight, but then his bottom teeth are kind of crooked. And so I meant to bring that up last week, and I was like, you know what? I might I might ask Jeremy about that when he gets here. And then as I was watching Goodfellas, I was like, oh wait, they're it's the same here. So I just I, thought that was. <laughs> Yeah, I think the black and white cinematography really... Brings it out. Yeah, accentuated his teeth, mm-hmm. right? Because I thought the same thing. I thought maybe they gave him fake teeth to play, you know, yeah. La, La Mata. I, I don't know. You know, but... And then... I don't think so. I think those are his real teeth. Yeah. And, of course, he's older in this one. I mean, De- 10 years, that's... but still. Oh, well, yeah. yeah I mean, makes a difference. I mean, 10 years ago, we were 20, uh, 27. We're 27 now. Yeah, 10 years ago, we were... Ten years from now, we're thirty-seven. Oh my god! My math my is. joke imploded on itself. Okay. Um, Son of a bitch. Anyway, Joe is amazing. Yes, and uh, one of the improvised scenes that made it into the film was the funny how. Oh, dude, that ma'am, that scene was really intense because, as as you've been saying, he, he's so unpredictable. So they're you know they're laughing, having a good time, which I want to point out very early on. Even though I love Ray. He's a very ugly laugher. Like I, most people say, like, oh yeah, you're 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 a real ugly crier. Ray is an ugly laugher. Yeah, he. Um, yeah, I guess he's always laughed like that. Because I, I was thinking, because uh, it is really noticeable in that scene that his his face really contorts yeah. and squishes and whatever when he's laughing. Um, you're right. Uh, continue. But anyway, so uh, so they're having a good time, and then, you know, Ray just says something very innocent, like, ah, you're so funny. Funny how? And the scene goes immediately from lighthearted to tension-fueled. Which is brilliant on the, the part of the scene is we're hearing a story about Tommy being an asshole, right? Yeah. Of course, he's telling the story, of course, um, about himself being an asshole uh, to the cops. Um, 
and and then we so we get a sense of who he is right mm. we kind of got who he is a little bit before but not really because uh, in 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 the flashbacks quote unquote it, it's a younger tommy right so and this is where we're seeing joe's different tommy. person right right um but you're right when when we get to that you know oh man you're so funny and you're like what do you mean funny how you know Oh my god! You know, it gets so intense. It's nice. so uncomfortable. Yeah, because you can see Ray as Henry start to kind of backpedal, like because he's like, oh, I wasn't trying to saying without saying, I wasn't trying to offend you. I'm just paying you a compliment, right? But to Tommy, it's not a compliment. How am I funny? And it's just so, yeah, it's, it was very uncomfortable, especially when, because in the very first part of the conversation, Henry thinks he's joking mm-hmm. and he's still laughing. He's like, yeah, man, you're just so funny. But then as he starts to realize like, oh, he's, he's, and then everyone else does too. And, um, and I love the, the choice to give Henry the pause at the very end. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the scene, after we're getting, you know, like, no, 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 he's a big boy. He knows what he said. No, you know what you meant. What did you mean? How am I fine? And once we get to that pause, mm-hmm. it's long. And they're just staring at each other, right? And then we get the... Get the fuck out of here, man. And then it's like, I, I gotcha. <sighs> a big sigh of relief from every single yeah. person who's ever watched that scene. And and then, of course, he doubles down. And, you really are a funny guy. And, and then, then he pulls his gun. It's like, oh, you take it back. And that's how you... This is the perfect scene to introduce a character study. This is like, this is Tommy. Mm-hmm. Be scared of Tommy. Yeah, because because not only will he, not only will he fly off the handle. You don't know when he's joking, and he likes to pull out his gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, because yeah. you, you know the first time we see Joe Pesci as Tommy is in the first opening scene when they're finishing off Billy Bats, right. and he pulls out that giant cutting knife and just. Stabs him. Right. Uh, so we didn't. So you couldn't really get a full sense of him until that scene. Right. And Frank, then that Frank scene. Vincent again, by the way, uh, from Raging Bull. Now uh, Billy Bats. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was being like, another oh. asshole. Um, of course. I wonder. I was kind of wondering as I was watching that. I was like, I wonder if Joe, because I know you said that he's a friend of Joe's. Mm-hmm. If Joe was like, hey man, come play this guy. And then as the scene progressed, I was like, oh, dude, they're going to beat the shit out of Actually, him. Actually, it was um, uh, Scorsese called him and um, I want you to be in the movie. And he goes, cool. Um, and Scorsese goes, what part you want? And he goes, oh, I kind of I kind of like Polly. He goes, no, you're going to be Billy. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And that was uh, it. All right. Uh, so... Uh, I wonder if he saw the call sheet for that day and it's like, all right, and Tommy beats up Billy. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, not he didn't again. know Billy Bats. Yeah, he didn't. He had no idea. Because um, he, he obviously, when you're asked what part do you want, you're not going to pick a Billy Bats, right? Yeah. You're going to pick Paulie. He's 
the leader, yeah. right? He's the man. Like, I want to be that guy, yeah. right? Uh, Paul, great character, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, played by Paul. Um, uh, Savino? Yes, I yeah. believe so. Uh, um, Sorvino. Uh, yeah. Um, another great actor that you've probably seen in tons of stuff. Now, I do want to mention before we keep going with uh, Joe Pesci's character is that... Um, Speaking of that person looks familiar, if you're a fan of The Sopranos, half of the cast is in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. It's almost like David Chase was casting the the show and watched Goodfellas the night before and goes, oh, they're hired. You know? Now I just need someone to be the head of the family. Yeah, I just need, you know, this person, this person, this person, I just but need, I have everybody else. Now I just need James Gandolfini. Because even if you look in the in the beginning um, where with... Uh, Teenage Henry. There's uh, people that are don't even have any lines, really, mm-hmm. that are in the background or one of the goons that are very prominent characters in The Sopranos. Um, well, I did read uh, that a lot of the extras for the mob were yeah. actually mobsters. There's some stuff that you can't fake, mm-hmm. right? And one of those is the overall look and demeanor of one of these guys right right and so as soon as you look at one of these guys you're like he's mopped up i know it because i'm looking right at him right mm-hmm. and and scorsese has such a good eye for that that he wanted to surround the film with people who are just pretending with people who were actually there or people who live it every day right and you it know, gives again an air of authenticity to this world. You know, and that that does kind of <clears throat> the mob has always fascinated me. You know, because I know it's it's essentially like a gang, but there's way more rules than a gang. But you know how how do you like how do you how like how how did he go about going to these guys? And I was like, hey, I'm a filmmaker. I'm making a movie about this guy, Henry Hill. Do you know him? Oh, you do? Cool. He wouldn't have to, I don't think. Um, by that time, he had already made Mean Streets, mm-hmm. um, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. Uh, he's... He all, all that says, I'm Scorsese, right? Um, uh, and they were probably like, <gasps> oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> so he's the celebrity among them. Pretty much. Well, I, and I did read that they gave uh, Warner, the, the mobsters, the guys that played the extras, um, gave Warner fake social security numbers. Yeah. And people don't know how they got paid. <laughs> yeah, but they did. I bet. You know, they wouldn't have uh, left there without it, I don't think. So, but you're right. They gave them all phony social security numbers, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, very mob. Anyway, let's um, let's get back to Pesci. Yes. Um, I I was super bummed when they killed oh, off uh, Tommy because you know it, the build up to that is brilliant because mm-hmm. number one we're very excited he's he's gonna, gonna get made. he's getting made he's getting made you know finally <laughs> things are looking up. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only for Tommy, but for Jimmy and Henry, because Jimmy and Henry now will have a made guy in their crew, right? You know, and 
that bumps up their status, right? Right. They can never be made because they're not full Italian. So if people are curious about what we mean by being made, essentially Tommy is going to be promoted within the mob, within this mob's family uh, in a higher ranking. And as Jeremy mentioned, for Henry and Jimmy, this is important because since they're both half Ital- uh, uh, half Irish, they will never be able to get made. Um, and so having this person who's higher in this mob's family, a part of their crew, they get to get in on some things. Right. And so when we start building up this idea that he's getting made and that's, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what really strikes you is how excited Jimmy is, yeah. right? Not only for the reasons we just said, but also they're buddies. Mm-hmm. They've been friends forever. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy kind of took uh, Henry and Tommy under his wing when they were thirteen, and he was twenty nine. Right. So they've twenty nine, quote unquote, quote unquote. Because uh, a little suspension of disbelief with him being twenty nine, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, but then you know. It's almost like uh, like brothers, you know, for right. Jimmy. And so Jimmy is just genuinely excited, right? Yeah. And as is, Henry says, I've never seen him so happy. Is, is wanting constant updates, right? Mm-hmm. And um, again, being made is sort of almost like being untouchable when it comes to uh, well, essentially being untouchable because Billy Bats is a made guy. Mm-hmm. And you would assume he is untouchable. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't, you don't kill a made guy. No. Nope. Uh, but if they tell you to go get your fucking shine box, guess what? I don't care if you're a made guy or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which again plays into the hair trigger temper that uh, that Tommy has. Yeah. And it will eventually get him killed because not only is it the the murder of Billy Bats, but it's a few other things also like spider Mm -hmm. right it's his erratic unpredictability yeah uh you know because so i think i mean we've already said that this is when tommy dies but i think before we really dive into it yeah let's let's kind of touch on some of these so we've touched on his very erratic behavior he's very trigger happy like when they steal the 18 wheeler and he's just firing it up it's very evidence of that but you know billy bats especially we see he doesn't care if 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 you insult me i don't care if you're a made man you're that's it and it's also i did say hair triggered right mm-hmm. but in this case the the hair triggered is the decision to do so, mm-hmm. but the follow through isn't until later. Yeah. But he's already made the decision. Keep him here. I'll be back. You know, because he's got to get the girl home or whatever. Right. right. Um, and he didn't calm down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> In between that time, God knows how long, hours, maybe. Probably. Um, and when he gets back, he's just as angry, if not more angry. Mm hmm. And um, what's so great about Henry and Jimmy is they're completely on board. All well, they, Henry, I, mean, I would say Henry's probably like 75% on board. Yeah, but Jimmy is 100% on board. Yeah, especially, you kind of get a little bit of that when Jimmy's like, I mean, you did insult him a little bit. Yeah. 
And Billy's like, I did it, Sultan. And he's like, but you did. But you did. But you did. You know, and it's this this bond that these guys have. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, is it very... Uh, it, it seems very appealing, yeah. right? To be in this world so far. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we get that little switch when Spider dies. But before that, it, this is all very appealing. Yeah. Uh, not only is there financial gain... There's, uh, you know, a sort of freedom in day-to-day activities. Yeah. But there's also this very strong camaraderie that you get. Well, and I'm, 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 I may be about to reach here before we get back into Tommy, R.I.P. Um, but I'm going to kind of reach here. I really feel like, as you mentioned earlier, Martin... One of his things is he really wants you to like these guys until you don't. And I really feel like Martin did a good job of almost, you know, Henry is telling us about, like, why they mob appealed to him at the beginning of the movie as a young kid. Right. And it's almost like Martin is doing the same for the audience, for Mm -hmm. us. Like, saying, like, yeah, like, you can be someone. Yeah. Doesn't this look like fun? Until it's not. Until it's not fun. Yeah. Right? Until you get to see what consequences these actions have, mm-hmm. negative or positive. We've seen the positive consequences. Yes. But here's the negative ones. Yes. Right? So. And in this case, Tommy's is getting killed because he is too erratic, too unpredictable, and too dangerous to have around. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it, I think that's really the the point that Henry and Jimmy start to lose their connection. Yeah. Right? Um, it was almost like uh, Tommy was their bond. Mm-hmm. Once Tommy's gone, their bond is less strong, right? And yeah. that's when their relationship, I think, starts to deteriorate and we get what we get at the end, right? Which mm-hmm. is a complete lack of respect for one another mm-hmm. after a while. Yeah. Um, especially, uh, you could really see the deterioration with the guns when he yes. brings them the guns and he's like, and these work. What do you, why'd you bring me these? Cause he's trying to get silencers on them. Right. And yeah, of course that whole sequence is just insane. Yeah. Another um, very tension-fueled sequence. Yeah, because it's supposed to get your heart rate up because he is doing so much coke. <laughs> and the paranoia and, you know, just, I mean, everything is just the anxiety. Is so- you know, I think it's kind of funny that in The Godfather, that's something that Don Corleone didn't want to do. He didn't want to get in the drug business. But then when Henry gets out of prison and Paulie's all like... I don't want you to do that, you know, which I didn't realize that's what he was referring to until the very next scene when he's, when Sandy's mixing up the Coke. I was like, oh, he didn't want him into the drug business. I just thought that was kind of interesting that these two very unrelated mob movies, one fiction and one nonfiction, that's that's a big thing. There's truth in that, right? There's yeah. truth in the drug business is too dangerous. Yeah. Especially, I mean, even for guys like this. Yeah. Right? Who that's all they do is dangerous shit all day long. Mm-hmm. And it's very, I wouldn't say it's, it's not very clear 
what they do before because obviously drugs i get that right Mm -hmm. how their organized crime before that is sort of vague vague yeah because it it looks like a little bit of stolen goods it's a little bit of uh you know money laundering it's a little bit of this it's a little bit of that and you know unclear no uh, not necessarily. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that um, clearly they're doing something, but it's unclear of how they make most of their money. And it could just be as simple as it's not just one thing. It's several things, right? right. Which is fine. Because, um, you know, there's the they're tied into that restaurant mm-hmm. at the beginning somehow. Uh, they're selling fake fur coats or stolen fur coats. They're, you know, yeah. they're... Uh, selling cigarettes they're selling booze and um, all sorts of stuff like that and I, I think that it's it's just a little vague which is fine yeah uh, they don't have to get into the nitty gritty even though that would be interesting to me but um, but you're right once they get into the drugs now he is saying Paulie can go fuck himself <laughs> yeah which is stupid yeah uh, yeah you never, you never tell the head of the family. Yeah, no, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna disobey your direct orders. Yeah, I'm gonna ignore you and go do. Um, which Henry's motivations? It's strange. His motivations are strange because where I get, I don't remember how he got the drugs. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. All he, all he kept, that's, that's all he said. Contacts in Pittsburgh. Okay, cool. Pittsburgh. Um, so really, his motivation is, of course, financial gain, right? Right. Uh, he needs to get more money to get back on his feet after prison. Yes. Which becomes... The the, pr- the whole thing about prison is um, interesting because... I get why Jimmy doesn't want to go back to prison because we assume it's like regular prison, right? Right. Because Henry didn't go to regular prison. Henry went to... Wise guy prison. Yeah. Which is different, right? Because he was there with Polly. And, mm-hmm. like, he had people he could lean on, and, of course, they lived a completely different lifestyle there. Right. It's alluded to that Jimmy did not, right? He definitely wasn't at the same place, but it also is alluded to that he wasn't living that same lifestyle as mm-hmm. they were. So once we get into I don't want to go back to prison, it's like, Henry, prison's not that bad for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for Jimmy, absolutely, I'm not going back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really interesting, and I really liked the idea of wise guy prison. Well, and Because it has to be true, because... Uh, he was like, it's 99% true. You know, that can't be the 1%. I think that. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, no, there's no way they let us cook a full steak in prison. They absolutely did. I guarantee you all um, of that is true. You know, and that whole that whole part of the movie is really interesting because Pauly, you know, really urging uh, Henry not to get in, in, in the drug business. I just, I really love the line, like, I don't want this heat because, you know, he's on parole. And even though he can do whatever he wants. You know, he, he probably doesn't own anyone in the FBI. So if he, they get one whiff of anything, he's going back. Right. And, and I really love the the line of, you know, the, the other guy that's in prison. He's like, he's 70. I don't want to be in prison when I'm 70, which is 
kind of uh, kind of a little, a little funny because he does end up in prison when he's seventy and dies in prison. Yeah, uh, but you know that that whole thing is just really cool. Um, and uh, again, I just thought it was really kind of interesting that these two unrelated mob movies. Yeah, that have, don't want to get in the drug. Have a similar message of don't get into the drug game because yeah. it's too erratic, it's too unpredictable, and it's too hot. You know, it is. They they are always going to be after you for drugs. I mean, it's, yeah. You know, would you say that's why Henry got on the FBI's list? Because a, well, yeah, especially during that time. I mean, oh, this yeah, is it's, under yeah, nineteen eighty. Yeah, cocaine uh, is super hot. Yeah, and also. I mean, I mean, on everybody's radar, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's he's almost he almost is like a cop magnet at that yeah, point. Yeah, he, he's he's intentionally poking the bear. But again, in his defense, it's extremely lucrative, and yeah. so yeah, and you know, a lot of fun apparently. Yeah, apparently a bunch of fun until it's not. Um, <laughs> it's another part that Martin was like, "Yo, this is a lot of fun." Yeah, until it's not. Until it's not, which he should know, right? And yeah. he does know. <laughs> Um, all about how awesome cocaine is. And Making it light of Martin Scorsese's former coke addiction. So um, we're, we're gearing up to the end of the film. Before we do that, we haven't even talked about uh, Lorraine. Um, uh, Lorraine uh, Bracco. Braco? Anyway, she plays Karen. And um, we have not about Karen yet. so familiar. I feel like I've seen her in other things. You have, more than likely. She is also on The Sopranos. Um, um, my mom's been urging me for like months to start watching The Sopranos. Yeah, like, Sopranos is awesome. I'm like, I have other shows I've got to watch first. Okay. I'm like, I can't dedicate time to another show when I haven't finished the other show. Oh my God. Like The Boys. <laughs> got to finish The Boys first. Yeah, I guess so. Um, got to watch The Haunting she, of Bly Manor. She's, she's great in this. Um, you just don't like the character. No, I don't like Karen. Uh, Karen, <laughs> as a character... Is obnoxious and I mean, now that I've finished the movie, there are times where I'm like, really? Yeah. Like when she is holding the gun to Henry's face, Ooh. I'm like, now of course that was very tension fueled, but I'm like, really? Did you have to resort to that? Like, <laughs> why don't you just beat on him a little bit? Listen, completely understand her motivations. Henry's a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he kind of is. But, but we love Henry. Yeah, but we like Henry. Um, but, you know, Karen's not without her flaws also, yeah. right? Um, she tries very hard uh, to be a willing participant in this world. Yeah, which... But she's not that good at it. You know, uh, something, something that kind of struck me about her is, much like a typical mob movie... When they meet, she's like, well, what do you do? And he lies, obviously. Yeah. But then as the film progresses, he he includes her in the world. Right. Unlike, you know, Michael, who who keeps... I can't think of his wife's character's name. That's okay. But he, as he keeps her out, because she's not part of the, the family, mm-hmm. capital T-H-E, the family, um, Henry almost, per, over time, gets her involved in... in in this world. Right. And uh, I agree. She doesn't do it good. No, she's not good at it. I mean, I don't blame her for not being good at it. She was kind of forced into it. But yeah. um, I do really like her her 
her confidence, her uh, tenacity, especially in the very beginning when Henry stands her up. Uh huh. And then she tracks him down and confronts him about it. You know, in front of in front of Polly, in front of everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, all he has to do is like. And I, yeah, and he was lying. Like I thought it was. I thought it was next week. Right. And, I forgot. And it's it's a great it's a great little snapshot of what her of who she is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course we get the famous Copacabana scene with her, uh, where he is introducing her slowly, and because like you said, he lies, uh, but. It, the tracking shot is awesome, yeah. right? And it is beautifully timed. And of course, it took a lot of rehearsal, and it did. They did like eight times, right? Because everything had to be perfect. Again, mm-hmm. it's Scorsese, right? And so, not only do the doors need to open correctly, and the person needs to follow them with the camera at just the right time mm-hmm. and just the right rhythm, but. When they bring the table around and yeah. they, all of that has to be perfect. We could talk hours, hours about how the scene works and how intricate it is and how difficult it is and how seamless it turned yeah, out to it be. It really was. Right? Um, we do get one more uh, tracking shot, which I love, which is the introduction of here's this person, here's that person, here's this person. That's that's uh, Johnny Two Times. Oh, that's, oh, oh! When when that's Frankie Nonos. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, and they're all saying hi to the camera. Yeah, as we're seeing through Henry's eyes. It's great. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I really it's love that. Awesome. Oh, there is one thing that disappointed me. I was really hoping me to get more of uh, Johnny Two Times. <laughs> I gotta go get the papers. Get the papers. Uh, he's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> This one character has one line of dialogue. We never see him. Frankie the Eyes. You know, and yeah. they all have these weird nicknames. And we'll never get to know how except for Johnny Two Times. Um, <laughs> He'd say things twice like, all right, guy, go get the pips. I'm going to go get the pips. Get the pips. You know, it's fixing his tie. Um, <laughs> yeah, because no one can see us. Right. No one can see me do it. So I have to describe. They're, they're just hearing us doing something. And like, right. What the fuck are they doing? Right. Um, but yeah, so those tracking shots are wonderful, and um, uh, that was just an excuse to bring up the tracking shot, I guess. But I, I mean, we still need to talk about Karen some more. But because um, Karen's important and it, it, integral to the plot, mm-hmm. but I don't like Karen. No. So you made that blatantly obvious. Yeah, that well, you okay. do not like her. No, I don't. I. Yeah, there's uh, the scene where she goes to one of his mistress's apartments and like oh she's like like ringing the all the, of the the buttons and yes it's the superintendent you have a whore living in, you know um, awesome that I liked yeah. uh, because that is just complete psychopathic behavior she well, has completely lost her mind with anger and I love it well then the, the next shot is is her sitting on top of him with the gun pointed at his right. head. So um, that I liked. I, I liked that even though uh, she, the actress herself, said that she was a little over the top, right? Uh, but if she had been too over the top, Scorsese would have made her do it again. So I think it's perfect. Yeah. Right? He wouldn't – I mean, if you're in a Scorsese movie and you don't like a certain thing in your acting style, it's fine because Scorsese would have made you do it again. Right? Yeah. He's a perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah. So – um, 
Did you like Karen? You like Karen. I mean, there are parts of, uh, of of her character arc that I really enjoyed. You know, I really liked, even though we got the dates flashed on the screen, I really liked how we could kind of track the time from when they meet. Her clothing. Her clothing, yeah. her hair, how she looked, you know, e- even their house. Yeah. You know, very evidence of the time, especially when the final 30 minutes of the movie were in the 80s, 1980. Um, and she she is an 80s mom, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were, like I said, now that the movie is done and I'm, I'm having time to process everything I just saw, there were scenes where I was like, really? But then other times I was like, wow, she's she's great. Like, um, I'm trying to think of a really good one. Like when she's defending him shortly after their marriage to her parents. He's out with his friends, Ma. He's a grown man. He doesn't have to call five minutes, every five minutes. And I just love the scene where he finally comes home and he's like, and his mother-in-law's berating him. He's like, yeah, he just leaves again. And he just leaves. I love Heshi's lines. And that yeah, goes, what are you doing? Oh, Henry, what are you doing? You, you look what you're doing. You know, I, I love it. I, I love that he is mocking her and also giving Henry shit and then yeah. they get to go again and then they get to leave and um, it's great so so we've talked about everyone but our focal point um so Henry yeah you know like I mentioned we love Henry yeah he he genuinely except for the uh, there's a few scenes where you're like Oof. um he's a genuinely genuinely likable character yeah, and a lot of that is, and they describe it as he is close enough to it to where he can be believable in this world, but also somehow at the same time detached from it. And so mm-hmm. we as the audience can empathize with the detached part of his character, he, right? Yeah, and he, we get evidence of that the first time he experiences someone getting shot for the first time. He wants to help him. And 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 Tootie is like, no. Like, it's someone else. Yeah. Like, you wasted eight aprons on him. What do you, like, because he, he was wrapping the guy's gunshot wound with the aprons from the, the pizzeria and wasted eight aprons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but with that one little scene, we get evidence that he has, Henry has this compassion mm-hmm. um, and empathy for people. Like, when Spider gets shot in the foot, he's like, you shot him in the foot, Tommy. And then when Tommy kills Spider, you know, there's this, this look on his face because, you know, he just gotten in a fight with Karen the scene before. And this look on his face like, you know, we're supposed to be having a good time. Like, what, what, the, what the fuck are you doing? And where Jimmy is more concerned about, well, I'm not digging the fucking hole. You're doing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's upset that he killed Spider for almost no reason at all. Mm-hmm. But he's more upset about the the responsibility now laid upon them by getting rid of him, right? Yeah. Where Henry is just... You killed him for no reason. Yeah. He's us. We're like, whoa, that was out of nowhere and mean, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, especially since, you know... Jimmy almost kind of exit on. Like, oh, wait, go for you, kid. Stand up for yourself. What are you going to do? How are we, what are you going to do? And then he... So technically, if we're, if it's anything, it's Jimmy's fault. Yeah. Or let's be honest with her. So it's Jimmy's fault. Yeah, I have seen 
because I watched a lot of the featurettes and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, I have seen that particular scene mm-hmm. five or six times today. Really? Uh, with him egging him on and, you know, saying, like, we're just going to let him get away with that? Yeah? What is the world coming? And it's as soon as he says, what is the world coming to? Because that's the crescendo of this, uh, you know, of this taunt mm-hmm. that Pesci pulls out the gun and shoots him, you know, five or six times. Yeah. But but the, but back to Henry, you know, and and we see Henry's, you know, downfall, especially when he's doing coke all the time and he becomes increasingly paranoid and... Rightfully so, apparently. Yeah. Uh, it's just... You know, man, I've never, I never thought I would say I liked a character from a gangster movie, but I, I really like Henry. I think he's, I think, you know, and it, it all goes to Ray's acting and how he portrayed Henry, which is why I'm glad you said that Martin really kind of kept him away from the real Henry yeah, Hill. Yeah, he kept, uh, yeah, Leota was absolutely not supposed to be around Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously. De Niro can call Henry Hill five times a day, but Ray Liotta can't. Yeah. Right. Which which I, I, I feel like even though we have a lot of this authenticity in the film, Ray playing him the way he felt like he needed to be to play Henry, in my opinion, adds a little bit more realism. I feel like kind of like how we talked about with funny games. If he did have interaction with the real Henry and was like, yeah, well, how would, how would you do this? How did you, you know, how would you hold your pens? How would you smoke your cigarettes? I feel like he, we would get more of an imitation than right. Ray just acting, you know? Right. And I, I feel like if we, if we got that, that imitation, I feel like the, the Henry in the film wouldn't be as likable. Yeah. Then Martin just saying, Play him the way he should be played. You think he should be played, you know? I agree. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> dude, when he's doing coke all the time, bro, they did, they a, did a real good job of making him look like he's oh so fucked up. Yeah, they, they make him look horrible. And uh, as evidence, when he goes to pick up his brother... From the uh, hospital. The doctor's like, are you okay? Like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine. I was, I was partying all night. Yeah. And he's like, you're not fine. Yeah, no, you look like you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. And it's because he hasn't slept because he's fucking paranoid. Yeah. So he's like, well, I'm paranoid. What can I do because I'm not sleeping? I'll do more coke. Yeah. Uh, which I think is when uh, Martin is telling us, cocaine is fun until it's not. Until it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> He's having fun up until then. Um, I know, at least yeah. a little bit. Yeah, going going over to Sandy's house. Uh, I can't can't think of that actress's name. Uh, I can probably find out. Going over to uh, going over her house, making making coke balls, having sex. Uh, I do really like <laughs> when he goes over there. She's like, "Wait, you're just gonna fuck me and leave?" And he's like, "What? No, no. Is that the last one? Yeah, okay." And then he runs out of the door. Yeah. And then he leaves. <laughs> Uh, her name is Debbie Mazur, by the way. Yes, yes. I've seen her. We, another actress you probably recognize, but never know her name. Um, yeah, she's great as Sandy. She's in Empire Records. So. Yeah. She's, um. yeah, she's, she's, uh, I can't think of his fucking name. Never mind. Right. I'm not going to go off topic. Um, long story short, Henry's great. Yeah, Henry, there's a reason... 
he's the focal point, no. right? Um, not only is he the one telling the story to the author who eventually wrote the book and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's because, you know, if, if Jimmy Conway would have written or told a similar story, uh-huh. it'd be different. Because yeah. he is too too far in where mm-hmm. Henry is half and half like I said he's he's in he's in this world but for some reason he's out of it and yeah. you know he's not fully immersed right he's almost he's almost on the outside looking in he's almost like a double agent right yeah um which is interesting and which is why we have such empathy for Henry and why the audience can gravitate to Henry mm-hmm. where like if it was Tommy like no way yeah. right we can't we I can't imagine <laughs> being Tommy I can imagine being Henry no problem yeah but Tommy no way yeah you know and it and it goes back to kind of what we agreed on is Martin is telling us the audience like look at this world doesn't it look doesn't it look nice which is how Henry says it, it, it how it appealed to him you know and then it's until when he gets the the hit from Jimmy and he knows if I go to Florida I'm not coming I'm back I'm not coming back um you know and it's and it's kind of crazy too his relationship with Karen because she almost doesn't want to go into witness protection but he's like I can't do this without you right and, and of course, the FBI agent informs her that, well, you I, need to go. Yeah, because if not, you'll die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your kids will die. Um, and then we get well, kind of what we talked about at the beginning of the movie or the movie beginning of the episode is that straight to camera monologue, which I loved. I, I and I'm I really glad that you recognized it immediately as interesting, different, and compelling the 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 straight to camera you know mm. no longer a voiceover talking straight to you here's yeah. what happened yeah because as we're getting closer and closer to the end of the movie you know and i really love that the narration changes with the pace of the movie so like when he's paranoid and all coked up his narration is very erratic and very paranoid and very you know but then when he's on the stand you know ratting everyone out his narration is very to the point. And then almost, I, I started to get the feeling, I was like, oh, is this when he's telling us this story? And then we get that straight to camera, which is this seamless, because the narration stops and he's looking right at camera. And it was that's so fucking it's cool, It's such an bro. interesting way to do that, because it, they could have done it anyway. Mm-hmm. But instead, they chose to almost pause even though people are still moving around and talking and whatever around them it's almost let's pause the trial and it's, let's just have Henry talk to us yeah um, and he can move around and move around the space and you know manipulate things around him without it affecting the the diegetic nature right yeah. um, it's almost like he is now you know it would have almost been like, "Hi, I'm Ray Liotta. Here's what happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's uh, what. Here's the real story of Henry Hill. So here's what happened to Henry. Uh, Another three hours. Yeah. Uh, which is, I, I love that, and it's the my second favorite thing about it. Here's now, my first. I'm assuming your first 
is what you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, which I've been kind of itching, waiting for you to explain, is Martin's homage to... The Birth of Cinema. Yeah. The Great Train Robbery. Um, this is a Thomas Edison film from the... Oh. Now, when you say Thomas Edison, you mean the... Thomas Edison. I mean Thomas Edison. You mean motherfucker who <laughs> gave us the light bulb? Sure, Yeah. I mean, no, uh, a black man invented the light bulb, but yes, he took credit for that. Um, <laughs> Thomas Edison is a bad person, but uh, hang on a second. I mean, um, it's like the it's like the Family Guy thing of like, all right, Thomas, we will use your invention to power our homes, power this, and Tesla. We will use your coils in monster movies, and Edison's like, aww. I wanted that one. <laughs> so... It might not tell me on IMDb. Um, yeah, it does. Okay. Who's run on IMDb? You ready? I'm ready. 1904. Holy shit. Uh, the Great Train Robbery. It's a 12-minute uh, film uh, said to be the first Western. And at the very end of the movie, uh, a character who has already been killed off um, looks directly to the camera and fires a gun at oh the camera. Oh, my God. Um, and this is supposed to, and I mean, audiences went nuts when they did this because, again, it's a break in the narrative and it's sort of a jaunting image. Uh huh. And he's firing straight into the audience, right? And right. so people are like, whoa, that was crazy. And uh, Scorsese obviously uses Pesci um, looking directly to camera, wearing a hat, um, and firing. A gun straight into the camera lens, mm-hmm. right? Because you know uh, uh, Michael is adjusting to his witness protection life. It's almost like he's sort of about to be reminiscent and miss the, and he says that he misses it, uh, the life. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he remembers. Oh, that's right. It's also extremely dangerous, and uh, it could kill me. Yeah. Right. It's it's almost we're seeing a a visual representation of his realization that maybe I'm better off in witness protection. Yeah. Right. Which uh, I think he stayed in until he died. Here's a fun fact for you. I love fun facts. After the movie came out, uh-huh. he kept telling people who he was, and the FBI kicked him out of witness protection. Henry Hill. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Oh my god! What an idiot! <laughs> he goes, I'm Henry Hill. They're like, you gotta quit telling Stop, people, man. Please. Yeah. And so, right, 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 right. and so they kicked him out of witness protection. Oh well, then I'm. But after, idiot. but I mean, once the movie came out, most of those people were dead, and so. Yeah, um, I'm sure old grudges were gone. And that would have been like 1991 when he got kicked out, and uh, for sure Jimmy is still. Locked up because he wasn't up for parole until 2004. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And his wife is still, Karen is still alive. But, uh, you know. She might still be in witness protection, but he's definitely not. Well, they, you know, they divorced. Oh, that's a good point. But, you know, I don't know how that works. Their their divorce was finalized in 2002, though. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Let's see here. Well, let's say they were separated. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, so they were married from 1965 to 1989, and their divorce wasn't finalized until 2002. 
I'm sorry. What did I say? Did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. 2000. I'm sorry. Uh, 1903 was the Great Train Robbery. I don't know what I said. Before. Oh, you said 1904. I'm oh, sorry about that. I'm so upset that you got one year off. And we're going to put uh, side by side uh, Pesci in this photograph. I'm going to show uh, Rain uh-huh. um, what the end of the movie looks like ah. uh, of the character firing the gun into uh, the yeah. camera. We'll, we'll put that up on the, the yeah, website we'll put it up for on the, the, the visual aids. And uh, so that'll help sort of uh, give you an idea of what Scorsese's doing because Scorsese is a film history nerd. Uh, yeah. Uh, he is obsessed with with film history, as am I. I. I, you know, I think that if you want to know and want to truly be a part of something, mm-hmm. you need to know where it came from first. Right. So, uh, like... If I like talk to a tattoo artist, you know what I mean. I, I want them to know the history of tattooing, right? Mm-hmm. Because that means that they're passionate about it and they want to do it, right? right. Same thing with film. I think that if you ask Michael Bay the history of film, I'm not sure he could do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but did, were there could. explosions in them? Yeah, it's like no, no, dude. Michael, you kind of did that. Yeah, that's your. Oh, fault. okay. Okay, right on. Right, 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 right. Where's my paycheck? Yeah, I'm going to go do some crunches, okay? I was like, right on, man. Um, Starts doing CrossFit right in front of you. Oh, my God. That would make me so upset. Um, (laughs) I would be very upset by that. Um, But no, but not the case with Martin. No. I mean, he really immerses himself in the history of film, and and so he tries to pay homage anytime he can. And Mm -hmm. this is one of the most overt... And homages homage, yeah I mean this is you, if you know you know and it's the you know it is sort of comes out of nowhere right just yeah. like the original um, I tried to make sense of it a few minutes ago by saying it might be a, you know a, a visual representation of his realization right right that might not be true. That might not be accurate. Um, it, it could have just been a shot that Martin wanted to include. Maybe. Um, it obviously he wouldn't do it for no reason, right? right? But you know, I feel that like is up for interpretation. I think. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Martin, much like Kubrick, everything's for a reason. Yeah. Um, now, before we uh, before we wrap up, wrap up, wrap up, I want to give an honorable mention. Um, Ooh. Shout out to Samuel Jackson. Oh, that's right. <laughs> For his very tiny little role in this movie. Yeah. Um, and poor guy gets killed off almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as he walked into frame, I was like, oh my God, that's Samuel Jackson. Um, and I forget how skinny he, he was. Yeah. Because um, he, he, he's so, he's very skinny in this film. Um, this is right after he did uh, Do the Right Thing. Do the Right Thing, I was about to say. Yeah. Because Do the Right Thing is 1989, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Love that movie, too. Uh, so, Jeremy, are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap yeah, up? Yeah, I'm looking over my notes to see if we need to do another Oops, I Forgot. <gasps> another Oops, I Forgot Yeah, section. another Oops, I Forgot. Ma- um, hey, comment down below if anyone wants me to add that to the website. Oops, <laughs> I Forgot. Oops, I Forgot. Um... <laughs> I guess we could talk very briefly. I wrote down um, some interesting editing styles that okay. really set this film apart. Um, one of them, of course, is stopping the the movement, right? Uh-huh. Just um, you know, making it a still shot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With with voiceover, right? He does it several times in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when 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 him and Jimmy get arrested uh, when him and Karen pass out. Oh, I mean, there is 
after so she dumps $60,000 worth of coke down right. the toilet. Um, I think the most notable one, and I think it might be the second one in the movie, because the first one is obviously when he closes the trunk in the very beginning, mm-hmm. and then we get the title sequence, um, is when he blows up the the cars, or the cabs, mm-hmm. and when he was a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And it stops mid-explosion, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the voice of Earth is still going. Right. So you know your TV's not broken. Um so I want to talk about that a little bit. I, I also love that Scorsese teaches you that just because we're a character is going to be in a car doesn't mean you got to watch him drive. Because uh, when he is on that first date with Karen, um, they go, they pick up the valet, you hear the door close, but immediately that sound is followed by him walking her to the door. We never see them get in the car. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't have to see them drive to her house. We don't... We don't need any of that, right? Yeah. Scorsese teaches you that. Um, sorry, I dropped all my papers. Uh, Scorsese teaches you that uh, these mundane things that people do, mm-hmm. you don't need it to progress a story along. Okay. Audiences are smarter than that, right? Audiences understand that they got in a car and drove to her house, right? <sighs> Obviously, voiceover helps with that a little bit, but not. I mean, we didn't need it, right? We get it. Yeah, yeah. I highly doubt someone being someone in the audience was like, well, "Wait a minute! Wait, wait, how did? Well, how did they get there? How did they get? What? Yeah, right. what? Exactly." And I really, I'm like, sure there is actually one person out there who's like, but, "But, but, but." I really did like that. And yeah. another example of his cool editing style, or his interesting editing style, is um, when she, Karen, is looking at the uh, the sign in sheet. Oh, at no. the prison, right? Where it's almost like a montage of shots of, you mm-hmm. know, until she lands and on. Yes, she, yeah. Right? Janice I, Rossi. Love it. Love that mm-hmm. that editing pattern. Very cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. It... I mean, again, this movie is incredible for many, many reasons. How many Oscars does Scorsese have? One? Really? Yeah. That can't be fucking true. Yeah. You didn't get one for this. Uh, Pesci, really? did. Pesci got an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pesci did. Dude, he could have um, literally retired after this. Like, all right, I got my Oscar. Yeah, I got my Oscar. Bye, bye. I'm not gonna do a Home Alone sequel. <laughs> um, <laughs> which that was until like '94. Okay, so you want to know how many Scorsese has? I'm yeah. pretty sure it's just one, but um, I'm sure he's got to have more, man. Almost all of his movies have been well. Wasn't the Last Temptation of Christ very controversial, though? Yeah. Um, okay, you ready? I'm ready. Sorry about that, guys. I don't know what that was. Um, one. He has one. Really? For Best yeah. Director? Yes. The Departed. No shit. Yeah. I was actually just talking about that movie the other day with Ashley. because. Um, and it's almost like so... Um, it's it's a good example of sort of just a oops. It's almost there. It's it's the Academy's oops. I forgot. Oh right? well, they have a lot of those. I know, but um, to give a good example would be Denzel. Denzel did not get an Oscar for Glory. No shit. But he did for Training Day because he didn't get one for Glory. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's sort of like. 
Here's an Oscar for The Departed, which is amazing. I love The oh, Departed. Yeah, the Departed is fantastic. Here's one for The Departed because I didn't give you one for Taxi Driver. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's almost like a consolation prize. Yes. We're giving you this not for the movie that you just had come out, but for the movie that you came out that came out like 10 years ago. Yeah, it's something go. it's something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the Academy is... Of course, yeah, the Academy is run by fucking... Well, and they're really good at that. They're really good at Oops, I Forgots, you know? Oh, and, and they're run by fucking monkeys anyway. <laughs> or someone. I don't know. <laughs> run by alligator, lizard people. I don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, also... Um, if you care, or if any of our listeners care, uh, IMDb's top uh, two fifty, uh-huh. Goodfellas is number seventeen. Damn, uh, which is pretty high up there. Um, obviously, numbers uh, one and two, or no, two and three are still Godfather one and two. Really? Yeah. One. What is one? One is one. Um, is uh, Shawshank is one. Really? Has been for I don't know a decade. <laughs> so you know what? No, I'm not going to say it on mic. Right. I don't. I don't. I don't want that kind of heat. All right, cool. Um, um, so Jeremy, yeah. What are we doing next week? I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> next week we are doing what is considered to be the spiritual sequel to Goodfellas. Uh huh. Casino. Um. So I love Casino. Uh, it's long. How uh, long is long? Three. Ah, oh, sorry. I know, but I mean, I it, mean, our final movie adds an additional thirty minutes. To that's that. true. Um, that's I mean, and shit. What is it? Uh, Godfather Part Two has an actual intermission in the middle of the that's fucking a good movie. Point. I was, I really, I guess, I was just warning our our audience that it's three hours, but not uh, the episode, the movie. Right, the movie's three hours. So could you imagine another three hour episode? No. <laughs> no, I cannot. Um, so here's what I'm going to say about Casino mm-hmm. that will get you excited about Casino. Okay. Tell me this thing. Pesci cranks it up a bit on the terrifying So, factor. So what you're saying is... It, he's more terrifying <laughs> in, in Casino. So, so from Raging Bull to Goodfellas to Casino, he's cranked it. Yeah. So... I would say Raging Bull, he's at like an eight. I would 100% say Goodfellas, he's at a 10. Yeah. So what you're saying is he's at like a 15 sure. yeah. in Casino. Um, so I mentioned before Dad and I do the uh, Funny How. Uh-huh. There's something in Casino that we do all the time. Has to do with a pen. Um, oh, shit. And we do this to each other all the time uh-huh. uh, and it's because of Pesci and because of this movie and so it makes us laugh so hard when we, when we do it to each other we're like mm-hmm. oh I mean I'm excited man I mean Sharon Stone James Woods um, oh, I love James Woods and constant ever changing narration just like uh, Goodfellas so um, that's a lot of fun I like narration yeah. Um, I know that it can be abused and used as a crutch and things like that, but yeah. Scorsese does it in such a way to where it's not. You can't have the movie without it, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I don't know. Um, I know Frank Darabont uh, said that when he was shooting Shawshank, every single Sunday during the shoot, he would watch Goodfellas. Really? To to get the the, the rhythm of narration and how it can be used in this you know, mm-hmm. smart, non-detrimental way to the film. Because that's what Shawshank is. Shawshank is narration throughout. And so to do that, he needs a good example. And at the yeah. time, that's Goodfellas. 
Yeah. Well, um, we hope everyone enjoyed part two of our four-part series. Uh, join us next week for Casino. Casino.